is the awe of Easter. And the Bible reading is written in Mark chapter 16, beginning from verse 1. Saturday evening, when the Sabbath ended, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome went out and purchased burial spices so they could anoint Jesus' body. Very early on Sunday morning, just as sunrise, they went to the church, a tomb. On the way, they were asking each other, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? But as they arrived, they looked up and saw the stone, that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled aside. When they entered the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a white robe, sitting on the right side. The women were shocked, but the angel said, don't be alarmed, you are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Look, this is where they laid his body. Now go and tell his disciples, including Peter, that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there, just as he told you before he died. Thank you, Pastor. Grace and peace to you from our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. The awe of Easter. Isn't that a great picture? Love that picture. We've just read, uh, had that reading, but I think at Easter time we can read it again because it's such a wonderful thing. Saturday evening, when the Sabbath ended, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, went out and purchased burial spices so they could anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the Sunday morning, just at sunrise, they went to the tomb. On the way, they were asking each other, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? But as they arrived, they looked up and saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled away. When they entered the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a white robe sitting on the right side. The women were shocked, but the angel said, don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Look, this is where they laid his body. Now, sorry, I'm messing it up, aren't I? <laughs> They're all right. Um, looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Look. This is where they laid his body. Now go and tell his disciples, including Peter, that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there, just as he told you before he died. Easter is a great season. Easter, the Easter event is such a wonderful time, um, such a wonderful day. A day of triumph, a day of victory, a day of joy. It's a day of celebration, and you can imagine the disciples on Easter Day. It's a day for celebration for us as Christians, um, as we celebrate our life, the life that we have here on earth, but also the promise of that life into eternity with God. A day of incredible joy and celebration. And you probably realise that's why we have church on Sunday. Each Sunday, we're reminded again of Easter, of the Sunday when Jesus rose again. And that's why we worship on a Sunday. As a young kid, 
This was my favourite hymn. You all know it? I know that my Redeemer lives. Um, And if ever the pastor would not play or let us sing that song on Easter Sunday, I was really angry with him. Um, I just loved that song so much. In fact, so much that we're going to sing it now. I've asked the band if they'll they'll sing uh, a few verses. So it's about four verses that are going to be sung. And you don't have to stand. If you want to join in, you can. in that hymn. And you know, some of our old Lutheran hymns go on for a long time and most people fall fell asleep halfway through. This never. This one you'd sing all eight, all the way through, all, all the time. He lives, he lives, he lives. Um, incredible song. I, as we used to sing, I remember it even now, but as a child when we sang it, I remember feeling a, a real sense of joy and triumph um, as, as I sang that song. Very similar to the um, feeling I had on Thursday night as the crows smashed Carlton. <laughs> I remember feeling the same sort of way. It's a beautiful song. Um, and it's a beautiful feeling that we have when we think of the triumph of, G- of Jesus, the triumph that we get as well. Can you imagine how the disciples and Jesus' followers would have felt on that morning? How amazing that day was for them, how great it was for them, because they had invested so much in this man, Jesus Christ. They thought he was the Messiah, and they'd lived, they'd given three years of their lives and devoted their very lives to him. Yeah, it really was um, an amazing day, a tremendous day for them, a time to celebrate. As I said, celebrate our life here, but also that life that Jesus promises us for eternity with him. But perhaps as we do that, 
as we get caught up in that joy and that victory and that celebration, perhaps we overlook something. Now, I'm not negating or downplaying the joy and the victory of Easter, but I think there's something else in the Easter event. Let me explain. Was the first reaction of Jesus' disciples and followers one of joy and victory? Now read again, part of what we had before as our verse, as our text. The angel said, don't be alarmed, you are looking for Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He isn't here, he is risen from the dead. Look, this is where they laid his body. Now go and tell his disciples, including people, Peter, that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there, just as he told you before he died. That's up to verse 7. I deliberately didn't include verse 8 in the Bible reading for today. This is verse 8. The women fled from the tomb, trembling and bewildered, and they said nothing to anyone because they were too frightened. They were afraid. They said nothing. No jubilation or excitement there, only fear. Did you know that in the first manuscript of Mark's gospel that they have found, the original manuscript, that is where the gospel of Mark finishes. The women fled from the tomb, trembling and bewildered, and they said nothing to anyone because they were too frightened. Interestingly, if you look in your Bibles, there's an extra bit that's been added. Some of the later manuscripts in the Gospel of Mark add a little extra bit after that verse 8. And that finishes off with, and then he told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. You can understand why they would have wanted to have something more than after that verse 8. But I think there's something really great about that finishing with verse 8. Let's take some time just to imagine what it would have been like for the disciples and the first followers. They were in grief. This man that they had been following, Jesus Christ, who they had invested so much of their lives in, who was so important to them, who they believed was the Messiah, was now dead. The people, the, the disciples were in grief. Plus, they were left with a thought that they had let him down. They denied him, betrayed him, and ran away from him. And also, they had not had a chance to give him a proper burial because the Sabbath had come. And so they had to leave Jesus before they could put the spices and the other parts of the burial in him. So they left without being able to put him into his grave properly. So on Sunday, the women go back to the grave, back to the tomb, to do the final parts of that burial. And they're worried about the stone. How are they going to get in there? When they get there, the stone is rolled away. And in fact, when they first go into the tomb, their, their thought isn't that Jesus has risen from the dead. Their first thought is that Jesus has been stolen. 
someone's taken his body. That's what they first think. And then they see this angel who tells them that Jesus has now risen. What would their thoughts have been as they were confronted with that? Surely it was that this is unbelievable. What is this that has happened? They were awestruck. This was a bigger thing than they had ever thought about or imagined before. Have you ever been in a situation where you have been completely overwhelmed by what has happened? Maybe by the sudden death of someone close to you? Or maybe you've been caught or have seen uh, a natural event that's brutal. There are some pictures of someone in that sort of thing. If you've ever been in that sort of situation, you probably have some idea about what the disciples would have felt. Back when Judy and I first started the ministry, we were in Loxton, and we experienced something like that, an incredible storm in Loxton. Um, you could see what was going to happen because the clouds started turning dark green. And whenever clouds turn dark green, you know you're in for a bit of trouble. Um, the wind howled, and the rain pelted down so hard that you could not see 10 metres in front of you. It was so big. And then hailstorm came through. The hailstones, or hail rocks, I should probably say, some of them were the size of a lawn bowl. Um, and this went through the town for about probably 15 minutes. Those rocks went through roofs. They stripped trees. Next door to us, there were four, there were four or five huge weeping willow trees. After the hailstorm had gone through, there were no leaves left on those trees, just the bare branches. It destroyed most of what, it was, what was in its path. The storm probably lasted only 30 minutes all up, but afterwards, people were left shattered. And then there was this eerie silence. If you've ever been in one of those sort of situations, you know what I mean. People were walking around like they're in a trance, not able to believe what they had just experienced because it just didn't seem real. I imagine that for the disciples of Jesus on that first Easter day, that's exactly what they were thinking as well. This was unbelievable. They were simply struck dumb, overwhelmed to the point where they didn't know what to do. No wonder that women were afraid and said nothing. No wonder that next Sunday, a week later, the disciples are still locked in the upper room, not wanting to move. Sure, they were scared for their lives, but I think they were actually awestruck at the power of what they had witnessed. They simply couldn't understand or comprehend what they were experiencing. That's what I'm talking about when I say that maybe sometimes we overlook the awe of Easter. Sure, Easter is a time of victory and celebration and joy. Our life, the life that God has given back to us in Jesus Christ, here and in eternity. But Easter 
is also awe-inspiring, where we see the power and the majesty and the might of the God whom we worship. Easter is a time to celebrate the victory of Jesus and the life that this gives us. It's also a time to slow down and to consider the might and the wonder of God. A time to stop and simply praise God for who he is and what he does. One of my lecturers um, used to say to the earlier students in their early years at the seminary, um, talk to them about true theology. Theology, by the way, means, it literally means words about God. So it's as you try to work out what the Bible's about, what the message is, what it's all about. The lecturer said to us, this is what theology is. Theology is asking questions of the Bible, trying to work out what the deeper meaning is, what God is really trying to say in the Bible. He says you keep on asking those questions, but eventually you get to the point where you, you, you get no answers. You're not sure, because that's when you get to realise that God is so much greater than you. True theology, he said, was at that point getting down on your knees and praising God for all that he has done for you and for what Jesus means to us in our lives. I'm going to get you now to do some true theology. Um, I want to finish off by just reading very slowly Psalm 96. I'd like you just to take time now to praise God, to hear these words and just do some true theology of praising God for his might and his majesty. You can do that. There'll be a little bit of music um, underneath as I read it, and I'll just read it slowly. You can close your eyes and just listen to the words. You can watch the words as they there are on the screen. Um, or you may simply just reflect in yourself about the majesty of this God who is ours and who we worship. We're probably not going to get too much noise. There's no kids around. Um, by the way, kids making noise in church is pretty, pretty cool, really. Um, but if there is noise, don't worry about that. Just focus on this. Take this time just to praise God for his majesty and his love and his power. Sing a new song to the Lord. Let the whole earth sing to the Lord. Sing to the Lord. Praise his name. Each day proclaim the good news that he saves. Publish his glorious deeds among the nations. Tell everyone about the amazing things he does. Great is the Lord. He is most worthy of praise. The Lord made the heavens. Honour and majesty surround him. 
strength and beauty fill his sanctuary. O nations of the world, recognize the Lord. Recognize that the Lord is glorious and strong. Give to the Lord the glory he deserves. Bring your offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in all his holy splendor. Let all the earth tremble before him. Let the heaven be glad and the earth rejoice. Let the sea and everything in it shout his praise. And to God be the glory forever and ever. Amen. And I invite you to rise as you're able.